Thanks for listening to this whenever you're listening, wherever you're listening. Metalist Podcast. I'm Dave. I'm Jason. Actually, for this one, I feel like we need to have like goofy, kind of sinister <laughs> sounding made up names, aliases, whatever. I'll be Davoff oh, or can, something. What can, what can you come up with, dude? Ah, Davoff is the first. I, I feel like you put off in front of anything. Dav- it's going to. Yeah. It's going to sound true am- with a V. I am Jasoth. There you go. See, it's like a random name generator, but like it's real easy. It's cool. <laughs> it's not that random. Anyway, so yeah, in keeping with that theme, we're gonna talk t- about a band near and dear to a lot of people's hearts. We're talking from Norway. Me, Emperor. Fuck yeah! I've been waiting for this one for a while. There you go. Uh, let's get into it. What is your first exposure to Emperor? My first exposure to Emperor, the black metal episode out will be, or the black metal episode will be out before this. So, actually, I'll probably release them both at the same time. So, if you haven't heard that one, go listen to that one first. But that was when I joined Difficult Henry, and and the singer John had some black metal albums that he was. I mean, we were all trading albums because it was like, oh, I've got shit, he's got shit that neither of us have. So, I believe it was after I grabbed. Actually, you know what it was? We were in his car at band practice, and it was kind of when I was deciding what I wanted to borrow because he was only going to let me borrow like so many CDs at a time. Right. And so we were both sitting in his car. He has my one of my CD wallets, I guess is what they're called, those big four by four things or whatever. Oh, yeah. And I've got his, and we're just going through each other's shit. And like we're listening to tunes while we're going through it, you know? And he had this one disc, and I was like, well, what is this? Cause you know, like it's it's just the discs. He didn't have the album, like the inlay cards. So it's just the discs. And I looked at this disc. And I'm like, what the hell is this? And he's like, oh, check this out. And he puts it in. He's like, I'm not a big fan of it. And we start listening to it. And it was Emperor Prometheus. And I said, why do you why don't you like this? I'm like, this is fucking cool shit. And he was like, I don't like it because it's too busy. Hmm. So he was. This is like 2002. He was still... It's weird because he's a death metal fan, but I mean, at the same time, I think it was just a matter of he was used to that style of music where... Uh, I mean, new metal was huge on it. A lot of different stuff. Metalcore is like that in some regard, um, where kind of everything kind of like drops out when the vocals are going. Like in the verses. You know, generally, you drop stuff out in the verses... Um, for anybody who wants to know what I'm talking about, think of something like corn. Okay, there's big riffs, and then all of a sudden, once the verse starts, those riffs drop out, and they start making the funky little noises, and it's just the bass and drums. Right. A lot of pop music does that, whether there's guitar or not. It everything kind of drops out, and then fucking boom, here comes the fucking chorus. Right. That's kind of what he was used to. So when the verses are going, and I mean, it's just fucking. 
you know, like he was kind of like, it's just too busy during the verses because there's kind of like not a lot of let up, you know, with a lot of the black metal bands, which that's why I say it's strange because he's a death metal fan and death metal fan bands don't do it a whole hell of a lot either. A lot of times it's just fucking boom all the way through it. So if that kind of struck me funny, but I loved what I was hearing. So I was like, Oh my God, dude, like, I yeah I'm taking this one now because I had just heard Cradle of Filth, and I had already forgotten about them because I just heard Dimu Borgir because I, I think that was like the that was in the you know round two of fucking disc exchange where I wanted to hear I was like I need to hear more of this Dimu Borgir band so this will probably be repeated in the Dimu Borgir episode as well so I grabbed that Emperor CD and I think I grabbed two of them. I grabbed Prometheus and Anthems to the Welkin at dusk. And I was just like, God, dude. It's like slightly, like at the time, it was like Dimu Borgir was like the super polished, symphonic black metal, like really nice sounding black metal, which was, it appealed to me. I've always liked, for the most part, like a polished sound. I don't want to call it good production because there's lots of different styles of production that's good. But I've always kind of preferred the the polished sound over other stuff, which has, you know, I go through phases where all of a sudden I don't want the polished shit. But for the most part, that's usually what I like. It's like, um, so then I also had heard, because he was in the car and he he played some other stuff um, that's, you know, no keyboards at all. And that was where I was kind of like, ah, you know, and, and Emperor was right in the middle of it. It was, they had the True Cult sound with that necro type production, but they also had the keyboards there. And that was kind of like, it's almost like they were, they had a foot in the true cult sound, but they also were inventing the symphonic stuff at the same time. Uh, reminds me a little bit of carcass in that regard mm, of we're helping invent grindcore, but we're also helping invent melodic death metal as well. So, it, it reminds me of that, and I, it's just something I've always loved about Emperor. That and their their run was really short. So, what was your uh, first exposure with Emperor? So we we just did this on the black metal episode, so I'll keep it brief. I, you know, new metal's huge around the time. It's it's the first year in '99. Like, a when it's like at its the beginning of its peak, but also B when the term new metal even starts getting really used in wide variety. So I get this new metal special magazine and they interview Ross Robinson because he's considered the godfather of new metal. He was there for all those bands first up or records, if not the big ones. And he talks about, they ask him, is there any band you haven't done yet that he, you would like to do? And he's like, man, there's this band from Norway called Emperor. I would really like to do, which is a wild concept to think of now. But so I was like, okay, so I'll have to I'll have to check this out. And so Equilibrium is what would have been out at the time. I track it down, you know, however you could. I, I, I grew up in a rural area in 99, and I didn't have access. You know, the only place that sells albums in 1999 in Ramona, where I grew up, was Kmart. They sure as hell weren't going to have Emperor, <laughs> you know. Um, uh, so you have to go on yeah. those little 30-second clips they used to have on Amazon and whatnot. And... I'm like, yeah, this sounded a lot better to me on paper, right? This isn't really for me. Fast forward two <laughs> years later, uh, Prometheus comes out. 
And I was like, okay, I'll give this another go. And I was like, okay, this is way closer to what I wanted out of this. You know what I mean? And um, for years, that was the only one I liked. It's And so leading up to this, I was like, okay, I'll have to... I may have not said this on the black metal episode, but every couple years or so, specifically talking about the, you know, the early pioneers of the second wave in Norway, mayhem, uh, dark throne, immortal, etc. I'll go back and check those every couple years or so and see if something finally clicked with me and nothing really does. But leading up to this, I did go back and check those first three albums out again. And I was like, okay, this this makes a little more sense to me X number of years later, probably because I've been listening to stuff similar to it for over two decades at this point. Having said that, everything I wanted from this anyways, I already got in Prometheus in a presentation that I like a little more, you know? So by and large, really, when I talk about what I do like from Emperor, it's pretty much just Prometheus, although my appreciation for the older material has grown. And, you know, they they... It was interesting, man, because, like, by the time I did finally go, oh, okay, this is cool. Oh, what? They broke up, you know, so. (laughs) When? Just now. Oh, okay. And then I remember it being huge news that they were getting back together for those festivals in the mid-2000s, and then it seems like they would do that every once in a while. And now they're doing so again. Um, I think it's later this month. They're headlining a day, I think, at uh, Cycle Las Vegas. Second only to Danzig on the bill. So, yeah, by the way, could you think of a more appropriate uh, setting for Emperor, the frosty, cold forests of Las Vegas? Yeah. So, I'd be very curious to see how that looks. But, yeah, man, yeah, I mean, weird. <laughs> their, their legend grows. Because it's funny. In most respect, it's, it's wild to think. All those bands are pretty much still around in some form or another. Mayhem had to take a little time off for various reasons, but they're back. They're on Century Media. Immortal, uh, we talked about it on the Black Metal episode, is kind of in limbo, but all the members are doing stuff. Um, oh, yeah, almost all these dudes are still doing things. Yeah, and I guess that rings true of... Some of them more prolific than others. Yeah, but. yeah. Well, in the case of Emperor, it's interesting because I was like, so why did they part ways? And it was because Ishan wanted to go do one thing the others went the other way so you have isan's solo stuff which i i really need to get more into because from what i come to understand it's basically the if devin townsend came from norway basically and he had a a background in norwegian black metal whereas whereas the other guys went off and did zyklon who i recall liking uh and that was kind of them getting back into death metal after doing the fuck death metal or black metal thing going hey death metal is actually pretty sick uh, so you had this black and death metal in the form of Zyklon. I don't know if they're even still a band anymore. I haven't heard nothing from them in a while, but I love that f- the first, I think it might be the only two albums, but at least the first two albums of Zyklon was really fucking cool. Yeah. I remember when they I mean, first came out. It's, it's pretty much Emperor with fucking the singer from like Merckskog. Yeah. I, I, I remember. I think that's all, I think that's all it is. And it's, it, but it's just like, a, it's a, Really cool death metal album. Yeah, and, and I remember them having a huge push when they came out. And it's funny to think, we talk about them getting back into death metal. The dude, One of the dudes that was in Zyklon ended up joining Morbid Angel after Zyklon was done. So, I had to look it up. He's not oh. with them anymore, but he was... He was... He, uh, his name was Destruct Thor. Oh, yeah, that's right. And, that's right, And yeah. he was on the, the, the I Word album 
He was one of the Merck Scott guys. There you go. So you saw it. It all comes back around. But, yeah, I mean, it seems like Trey with Morbid Angel kind of did a cleaning of house after that album. And so I'm sure, you know, unfortunately he was part of that. Uh, but, like, yeah, man, these guys all had some interesting stuff happen after Emperor. Even before Emperor, I, I discovered a few years back it was Isan and uh, Samoth had a band together, a death metal band called Thou Shalt Suffer. Like, all those Norwegian dudes started out as death metal guys. And I was like, oh, this is actually... You know, I love crappy old death metal demos, and that that was right up my alley when I heard. <laughs> what I what I didn't know years later was that Isan re- restarted that project and made it like a kind of ambient solo project thing, completely different from what it was before, but kept the name. Well, yeah, it's weird, too, because the bass player for that band was Mortise. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mortise you know who- was... The original. I mean, shit. He's been doing shit on uh, as Mortise like for mm-hmm. fucking a long time. Yeah, and spoilers, man. I fucking love Mortise, dude. I like, haven't really kept fucking, up on the last few, but I, you know, I never really fucking enjoyed it much. But I'm just gonna look real quick because it's so funny. Because I mean, he straight up looks like <laughs> one of, he dresses up like one of the goblins from fucking Lord of the Rings. Oh yeah, I mean, dude, that was my initial appeal. Like, it's it's yeah. fucking funny, but um, I, just I was bummed to miss him when he played Brick. I I would have loved to have seen that. Mortise released an album in 2020. Yeah, he he's he's prolific. That's what the thing, man. You ever you you love an artist, but like at a point they put out so much shit, it gets hard to keep track of. Oh yeah, like dude. that's Look him. At bands like like Rush and shit, dude. Like yeah, yeah, it's. At some point, man, like, I mean, you know, the super fucking hardcore people will probably fucking follow along. But that's like the people that follow along that long usually are the people that are like, like, that's their favorite band. That's that's someone that they consider their favorite band, not just a band that they fucking like. I was recently on Metalology. I guess my episode is released August 31st. I don't know if this will be out before that, but they do a segment called like where did you it's kind of like where did you fall off with the band and that's because a lot of people do eventually a lot of people like i said unless it's your like your top shit i mean especially now where we have access to everything unless it's like your really top shit i mean at some point you're probably going to stop listening to them when they've had like a 20 something year career at least Mm -hmm. one thing i wanted to get into not so much the history of emperor because i mean we kind of get into most of that in the in the black metal episode, because really the big thing is like you know Samoth getting thrown in jail because that's kind of uh, you know they don't I don't know they don't really have a whole lot of stuff about them yeah I noticed like, that like story wise that's out there other than and I believe when he went to jail that that was before the first album right oh possibly let me let me check the dates but that that sounds like it could be. Uh, either before or like right around the same time. Cause the first, the uh, in the nightside eclipse was 94. I think it was 94 that he went to jail or no, for, for that specific thing, the arson, I think it was possibly before that. Okay. Yeah. It was before. Yeah. Good call. That's not necessarily a reason why they didn't necessarily, well, you know, I guess a lot of bands didn't put out stuff every fucking year back then. Or, I mean, some did not, but not like now where back then i mean it costs a lot of money to fucking record an album so mm-hmm. but no like one thing i really enjoy like i said it was it's it, it's a pretty short run because for all intents and purposes dude prometheus is a, is a isan solo album 
which is probably why a lot of people like it. Probably why a lot of people don't like it. One, it doesn't necessarily sound mo- like a lot like Emperor because the production on is way better. Yeah. But I also think like there's a lot of bands at that time that had that kind of that same level of production. You know, Dimu Borgir was kind of getting started around there, I think. You know, so that's when some of the, you know, the, again, they were, that kind of started off the symphonic black metal stuff. So it doesn't necessarily sound fully like Emperor. But one of the reasons why I think a lot of people like it, one of the reasons I always liked it was because it does sound more focused. And it's because it's all Isan writing it. He composed everything on it. Mm-hmm. I don't think he performed everything, but he composed the whole thing. And to my knowledge, the reason he did that was because they kind of knew it was their last hurrah. Him and Samoth had already taught, been talking about going their separate ways because they both wanted to do different shit. You know, and it's like, well, yeah, I mean, when you've had your kind of like partner in crime, literally, uh, <laughs> although I don't know if he saw and actually committed anything, but right. But when you have your partner in crime and you guys have been partners for a long time, I mean, you guys probably talk a lot. And just, you know, there wasn't any bad blood or anything. It was just like, you know, oh, I want to do this. Well, I, w- I would like to do this. Well, maybe let's just kill this thing. That's kind of what it was. It was, well, maybe let's just stop doing Emperor and let's just go do our own thing because they were both really young when they started this band. Yeah, no kidding. And they were even younger when they started the bands they were in before this. So it's it makes sense that they would possibly get older and want to do other things. But I mean, it's you know ninety four, ninety seven, ninety nine. I mean, that's like that's like fucking emperor. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's it's really cool because it's like hearing some stuff. When I went back and looked at, at certain things when I first started getting into Emperor, I wanted to know more. And I do remember seeing a lot of stuff where it was like, they did get a lot of flack from a lot of fans for not being true cult. But then, I mean, their, their response to it was, well, we never said we were true cult. Right. That's, you, you want to say we're not true cult, that's fine. Like, we never really said we were. That's not what we're trying to do. So there's definitely that. And that's the same as like, I mean, fuck out, uh, any genre, dude. You have some people that hear something it sounds like a prettier version or a more commercial version in their ears of what's going on. Like, dude, come on. They put keyboards in black metal. It's still not, it's not going to the radio. Yeah. Dude. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's like, come on, but it's any genre. You get that commercial, what most people consider commercially viable elements. And suddenly it's like they're posers. Right. Yeah. And that's been going on since the fucking seventies, dude. Mm-hmm. Like every type of genre Every type of fucking fan. And there's there's posers. And here's the funny thing about posers. They're only poser if you don't like them. Mm-hmm. If you do like the band, you'll figure out a way to justify what they're doing if you don't like what they're doing. Yeah, they're expanding the sound. They're, they're you know, right. pushing the boundaries. They're evolving, yeah. dude. Like, they're yeah, they're experimental. It's like, it's funny how that works. If you don't really like the band in the first place, all of a sudden they're posers. Now, with this particular style of music, you do have, rabid hardcore fans that are it's it's more like it's more like hip-hop dude it's not just music it's a fucking lifestyle man that's bottom line i mean it's like hip-hop it's like black metal and like fuck like juggalos right you know, it's it's it transcends the music, dude. Juggalos are the, kind of the in between of black metal and hip hop, if you think about it. Kind of, yeah. Face they, paint wise, yeah. Rappers with face paint. I mean, it's kind of right in between. But that it it is really like a thing, and it's it's just fascinating to me. You know, because I've never 
I, you know, I mean, I, I'm a bad example. I don't think I've ever been rabid about anything. I mean, I'm the, I'm the same. Sports is the same way. I mean, you, you have sports teams that transcend just the sports. Mm-hmm. And they also paint their faces and cause destruction on a mass <laughs> that's, scale. That's true. Huh. That's true. So, you know, you have this. I mean, fan is short for fanatic. And, and they are fanatic. You know, and it's... Uh, some people take it to a whole new level. So it's not, yeah, I, I mean, it's not just music. But for this conversation, we'll keep it to music where it's like you have this hardcore fucking fan base. And again, like I said, it fascinates me, man, because it's like as a musician, I would love to play a type of music where everybody got into it so much that they're taking it outside of music. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about committing any crimes or whatever. That's kind of a byproduct. Not everybody around at the time was fucking doing shit like that. Not everybody who wears face paint was fucking burning churches or trying to kill somebody. That's a very select few. They were probably going to do that shit anyway. But, yeah, I mean, to have a fan that's so fucking dedicated that they're, like, literally painting their face and having their parents drive them to a specific record store. In fact, we're... You're such a huge fan of a type of music. You're going to go hang out at a specific music store every day to go hang out with your people, the other fans of this music. I've never fucking done that before. Mm-hmm. I've definitely hung out with my people. I've, I've definitely done that. I mean, everybody does that. But it's like, that was everywhere. That was everywhere in town. Oh, if the boys are over here, I'm going to fucking go hang out with them. Oh, they're at the Rigby Lake right now. I'm going to hang out with them. Oh, they're over at fucking convenience store. Let's go hang out. Oh, we're on the cruise. Let's hang out. It was never like one place. These guys had one place that they were going to. And it's fucking crazy to me that they were that into it. Because I've never been, I don't think I've ever been that into anything. Also, one thing I kind of want to talk about, because Prometheus was composed entirely by Isan, how do you feel about that? Like, because a lot of times we don't know, uh, you know, a lot of times we don't know who's writing it. But something we do know is, or, okay, how about this? Something we can know, and to some degree I've heard plenty about it, is it's pretty rare when all the members of the band are contributing equally to the songwriting. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the H band has its own songwriting dynamics, and that might change from release to release. Right. Specifically in this case, it might turn out that's why Prometheus is the only one I like is because Isan had his hand in it all. You know what I mean? Like everything you just listed about the first three albums being the quote unquote real emperor might speak to why I only like Prometheus. You know what I mean? Like that's, it's, it's interesting to think in that dynamic. It's weird though, because when I listen to these albums, man, like the only real difference I hear on Prometheus is obviously you know production aside because it's it's a newer album you can't really fuck with that that's that's just how things go especially back then that's how things went generally your first album didn't sound that great by three or four albums in man now you've got a little bit of money you can spend more on production those that those albums tend to sound better right the one thing that kind of i i don't hear a whole lot of difference it's definitely not as busy during the verses. There's a lot of stuff going on, but it's not as it's not as busy as the first three albums. Right. I don't think there's a whole lot of difference in riffing. I do think there's a lot of difference in the keyboards, though. Yeah. 
for sure. So I don't, I, I mean, I don't know if that's Samoth or if that's, I mean, I know Isan is credited with like a lot of keyboard stuff, but I don't know if him or Samoth was like writing those parts. But the big thing is like the keyboards on Prometheus are a lot less, I would probably say out there than like Anthems to the Welkin at Dusk or In the Nightside Eclipse. In the Nightside Eclipse, man, here's a pro tip for anybody really trying to get into Emperor. They're hard to listen to because it's it's hard to get the first few times you listen to, uh, like just like complicated music like Meshuggah or death metal. But the reason why is because the keyboards aren't mixed all that great. So they kind of get in the way of a lot of the guitars. Right. Depending on your speakers, you'll probably hear mostly keyboard. And dude, like I said, they're fucking out there. They're not necessarily just following the guitars. The keyboards are doing a whole different thing. And in some of the songs, you have a, one guitar on your right side doing one thing and a guitar on the left side doing another thing, which has always been a huge favorite of mine. I love it when any band does that, dude, because it just adds a whole different element hearing interplay between two guitars. But if you want to, quote unquote, get it, better listen to the three live albums they have on spotify you're not going to hear the whole albums but the songs that they play in their live sets which are these these staple fucking songs dude for the most part unfortunately i don't think there's much off prometheus on any of those any of those live albums but prometheus you can generally hear what's going on a little bit better than the other three you probably won't need the live album for that. But listen to the live ones. The keyboards are mixed back. They're still there, but they're mixed back a little bit. You can definitely hear what's going on a lot better. Mm. Yeah, I mean, especially on, like, Imperial Live Ceremony, like, which that's, I mean, that's a fucking, I remember when I lived in San Diego the first time and I was hanging out with, uh, hey, you know what, shout out. I'm going to fucking dedicate this episode to my dude, Salvator Instagram. Funny, I've known this guy for years. I don't think I've ever known his last name. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> but my band played with his band all the time. We hung out all the time. I just know him as Sal. I don't think I ever bothered to ask him his last name. He's never had his last name as a username, so it's like, well, okay, whatever. But I love the dude, and he's a huge black metal fan. What band was he in? Modessa. Uh, okay, that's one of those names I always heard, but I don't know that I was present for it exactly uh, probably not around because they weren't around a whole they weren't around for very long but probably three years or so and then there was another band that came from that called animal corpse great name sal's huge black metal fan you know he's been wanting i've been wanting to get him on the show just unfortunately i can never get it lined up so this one's going out to him but he i remember at being at the modessa house which i believe was the singer's parents place and we watched Imperial Live Ceremony, and I mean, I was blown away by it, dude. And I mean, it's not like it's not like watching Dillinger Escape Plan jump all over the fucking place. You know what I mean? You know, it's it, I mean they're pretty much just standing there, but it was so fucking cool because the shit that they're playing is like it's fucking it is really busy, dude. There's a lot of shit going on in Emperor's music. Oh yeah, it makes it hard to understand it when you haven't listened to it a bunch of times. It really does. And like I said, if you want to cheat it a little bit, listen to the fucking live versions, dude. Like, you know, get on YouTube. I'll check I'll check in just a minute because I'm going to let you fucking speak on anything you want to speak on. I don't know how much you want to get into, but I'm going to check it out on YouTube and see if it's even on there because, like, if, it's, if you have a chance to see it, man, it's really fucking cool. And I think it's their 
I thought it was like there was something special about it. Oh yeah, it's the whole thing's on YouTube. There you go. Most most of you know those things are on YouTube now, even put up by the labels themselves. Yeah, man. Like all the earache DVDs, some of the Metal Blade ones. And even, um, who is it, Vakken will, like, put up some sets of their own and Bloodstock and stuff. Like, Yeah, that's one I wish is. would do the entire fucking thing would be, like, Vakken. Just because now we have the capability to do something like that. I know it's a huge festival, but you could break it up into, like, three or four different parts. It would be really cool if they did. Yeah, for sure. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, check it out, dude, because it's, it's fucking awesome. It's an awesome performance. Like, I don't think I've ever seen them... I've never really watched it. I actually I've seen a couple songs where it's one of those older performances where Isan's got the slick back hair mm-hmm. and the glasses and stuff. But Imperial Live Ceremony, man, I mean, he's got a little bit of fucking face paint on. It makes like me wonder, um, you know, because they did the they did the stream thing earlier this year, what the getup would have been for that. Cause if you look at Isan's vibe now, it's like turtleneck sweater dad in glasses. With well, like, that's how I mean he's he's he looks slick, man. He looks sharp. Yeah. He looks like yeah. he he could walk into literally any fucking business meeting and just kill it. You know, yeah. it's but <laughs> Samoth sure. Samoth looks the same way, except I think he still has long hair. Yeah, for sure. But he he has the same thing. I mean, if you've ever seen a picture of Zyklon, that's kind of what they still look like now. Long leather jackets, mm-hmm. black sweater underneath, and really uh <laughs> they look good, man. Yeah, they're they stylish. look real good. I think that's one of the things that appealed, man, was when they broke away from the, you know, the corpse paint and they kind of broke away from some of the more, shall we say, you know, I don't want to say cliche, traditional maybe elements that had been established. Like they were, they were definitely 100% a part of all that, but they were kind of an island uh, of their own, so to speak, as far as all that goes. Theatrical. Yeah, definitely. They weren't as theatrical as everybody else. Yeah. But they had a grandiosity about them all the same. Oh, yeah. Well, they they were one where it's like the music's going to be the theatrical part. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, they were one of the first ones, if not the first one, to really start adding keyboards. They're, they're credited, at least the first album is credited as pretty much being the beginning of symphonic black metal. Yeah, I mean, it's they were they were the ones. And, and I think that might have something to do with it. It's like, okay, well, we're not going to have the theatrical look, which, but they did. Yeah. They still had the face paint. They just didn't do the face paint like everybody else. Yeah. You know, that was that was the big thing. It's like I think what they what they did was it was a smart business move. Regardless of how they felt about the movement of black metal, they still probably saw it as a business move where it's like, okay, if you lined up you you have a show, then it's it's probably happened. Dark Throne playing with Mayhem and Gorgoroth and you know, another black metal band, right? And you're looking at that fucking thing and you're like, okay, or, you know, Immortals coming around. It might suit us better, or it might serve us better if we look different than everybody else. Yeah. When I first got into them, their press photos were them doing the long black trench coats with, you know, black sunglasses at night in a dark background thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they were not. They were definitely, I mean, they were still. There was a vibe. It just wasn't as, you know, it was a lot more subdued. Not subdued, even subtle. It was more implied than anything else, I think. Okay, so here it is. It's like, in the summer of 93, the band began working on their first full-length album. Emperor ceased wearing corpse paint. They started, they stated that it was becoming a trend and losing its original significance in symbolism. 
for the most part, this whole genre, it's, it's an impossibility. It's an impossibility that a lot of people fall into, not just these guys. And, it, you know, it's, it's stands a reason why they would. They're just, they were all kids when they started it. But it's, if you go against the trend enough, whatever it is you're doing that goes against the trend becomes the trend. Right. Yeah. Everything is trendy. Everything. You know, and, and, and the big thing is like, I mean, especially now with social media and the internet making the world smaller, now we know about those trends. It's very hard to be unique. That's, I think that's why so many people strive to be unique is because it's, it's really difficult. And these guys were no different. They wanted to be unique. But in becoming unique, man, I mean, it, they started a whole new thing, which, which especially in music, even back then, let alone now, if you, if you were able to start a whole different style of music, I mean, it's almost impossible now. Yeah. But then you started a whole different style of music. Of course, people are going to be like, holy shit, this is fucking awesome. You know, and just like, I don't know, Limp Biscuit wearing fucking baggy clothes or Eddie Vedder wearing fucking plaid. Why wouldn't people want to start dressing like that? Mm-hmm. Especially around that time. Yeah, and, and especially since they're so fucking into it. It's a fucking lifestyle. It's a movement. It's a fucking culture. And it's like, okay, well, yeah, now your fans are wearing corpse paint. So it doesn't surprise me that at least one of the bands, not necessarily all of them, but at least one would say, you know what? We're going to try something different. You know, and it's, it just happens to be Emperor. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it could have been any one of those bands. But I think these guys had at least a song. I think he had a really specific vision of what he wanted to do musically or in the music business. I, I think I'll put him up there. I think he's one of the great musical geniuses of all time. I could go for that. And I think it shows early on. You know, and I mean, it might, I don't know if it was his idea to decide to not wear the corpse paint. I, I mean, it definitely seems like, you know, every, every musical genius has, obviously they have their muse, but they also have their partners. You know, no one, no one really does it truly alone. You know, I mean, I think probably the closest person to doing it alone was maybe Chuck, because he never really kept anybody for long. That's true, yeah. Even, even producers. So maybe Chuck Schuldner, but it shows in a lot of his stuff where it, it's, there's not a lot of focus there. Yeah, no, for sure. You know, nothing against him, but there's not a lot of focus there. Yeah. I think Isan was focused right off the bat. He's just that kind of musical genius where he had a really, really specific vision and he stuck to that vision to the point where his partner, Samoth, probably fucking knew. I don't know if he might have been thinking about that, but they're both smart. They're both smart in the sense of like, okay, maybe it's time to end this and let's do our other thing. And then you see what Isan has done, which I don't want to get too much into that because I would like to do a full episode on Isan. Yeah, for sure. But you see what that what what's happened, and it's like I don't know how anybody can see what that dude's doing and listen to what he's doing or done and not consider that musical genius, regardless of whether you like it or not. That doesn't matter. But most, you know, there's a lot of people who can't acknowledge something good and something that they don't like. So I mean, there's definitely those people. But I mean, the one thing that gets weird to me in their discography is the fact that their album, like I said, like the Prometheus album. It doesn't sound a whole lot different as, as far as what they're doing. So I think it's really cool that that kind of tells me that him and Samoth, at least for 
at least until 1999, possibly 2000, they were really, really on the same page. Mm-hmm. And I think they're a very underrated team. Lars, James, Dave and Dave, you know, probably, I don't know who the team would be in, in Slayer. I mean, probably Carrie and Jeff, I guess. I mean, that, That's what I would think too, yeah. Between the two of them, they wrote more, more stuff than any other. I mean, you throw Tom in there, but. Tom was more lyrics. You have these these musical teams. I mean, I for some for some I just can't think of any other ones right now. Oh, there's a million to think of, but yeah, I'm with for you. For fuck's sake, I was just yeah. fuck. I had all these in my head, and then all of a sudden, just boom, they're gone. Yep, yep. I'm with, I'm a hundred percent with <laughs> well, you. Well, I think these guys are a very underrated team, man. I, I don't sure. think black metal gets, and I get it, dude. It's hard the music to listen to. The production's really kind of shitty on a lot of it, you know, mm-hmm. and, and and that's hard to do, man. It's hard to do. Even the fans of the OSDM stuff that's out now, man, that is a new version of an old sound. It doesn't mm-hmm. sound like the old sound. No, it's its own thing for sure. It sounds better. It sounds like a better version of that same old sound. Yeah. You know, and it's it's great. I've been that whole fucking style of shit that I fucking kind of attacked, maybe. It was an attack. But I did kind of fucking rag on a little bit early in some of the early episodes, man. I love that fucking sound now. I'm so fucking hooked on it, it's stupid. I almost feel like there's a deep dive just for that oh my God. to be had. We got to do one on fucking the OSDM revival or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's just got me so fucking hooked, and it's just unreal to me. Or at least the sound, right? Mm-hmm. The, you know, the bands, sure, there's... Good and bad, bad bands in every genre. You know, it's, I don't, I don't like everything just because it's a specific genre. Just because, I mean, there's like a lot of black metal bands I don't like at all. Oh yeah, same. Well, I was gonna say, like, I just wonder if there's something I'm just not because I'm not a big black metal dude in general. If there's some other wave right now in black metal that's huge that I'm just not attuned to. I mean, you could say black gaze, but even I think that- you would like a lot more new, like newer black metal. Oh, I have no doubt. Because the, th- the, the thing is, man, is a lot of the new black metal stuff, at least the stuff that I've been listening to, it has that, like, that really organic production. You know, those, those kind of dull drums that have, like, like, Gatekeeper and all that shit, right? They don't have the real slick, huge, clicky-sounding drums. Mm-hmm. They've got those big reverbed-out drums, right? A lot of the black metal stuff that I've, I've been listening to, a lot of the new stuff, that's what it sounds like. It's got that kind of production on it. Some of them go full old school with the fucking buzzsaw guitar sound. Again, it's a new version, a better recorded version of a buzzsaw sound. But other ones have like a really nice, like thick guitar tone. And the thing is, like there's album covers. It's just like this fucking painting. Yeah, no, for sure. A lot of them, there's not even a fucking logo on it. So unless you're going to look bothered, look up to see what they look like. Because I think that's some of the, some of the, kind of the hang up for a lot of people is they see what they look like and they immediately get in their head. This is ridiculous. You know, but it's, it's the same as some people who don't like horror movies see something like Jason Voorhees or Freddy Krueger. And they're like, that's stupid. You know, that's little kid shit. And it automatically, whether they thought about it or not, it automatically puts something in their fucking head about it. Here's the thing, if you were to if you were one of the people who listened to black metal albums and didn't see any of the corpse paint at all and you didn't like it, chances are you just don't like the music and there's nothing wrong with that. Listen to what you do want to listen to. Yeah, exactly. You That's kind of where I was at when all that was happening, you know, when I was first getting into it. 
I, I just more than anything else, I'd just be curious if there was some like grand wave that wasn't black gaze that was, you know, more I don't know a lot about along the lines of traditional black metal, but you know, black metal, black metal. Um similar to what's happening with, you know, OSDM right now. maybe maybe there'll be a wave coming up before I know it, you know, because like when I do like black metal, I do like it. Well, lot. there's still a lot of true cult sound and stuff out there, man. But I have the revival. I have not heard a lot of, and I bet you there's still bands out there. I just haven't looked them up. I mean, Karash Angren's one of them. I mean, there's still like really good fucking symphonic black metal out there. That, yeah. I mean, I'm talking like the slick production, the Demi Borgir style. That's still been going on. That's what I'm saying. Is like I wonder if there's no revival because it never went away. You know what I mean? It's just kept going. It might be. I don't think that i mean i think that's probably it was probably niche enough at the time and probably new enough now to where it just probably never went away yeah for sure it can't yeah it kind of is its own thing huh well because that i mean that bleeds into like, a lot of that stuff bleeds into goth music too yeah so you you'll probably you probably would find a lot of i mean i bet if we deep dive that on spotify if you really start looking get on twitter get on reddit and start fucking asking I bet people could throw down a lot of bands, man, that have that that kind of a sound that either just started or just you know de- just never really went away. Yeah, you know? for and, sure. But you also might end up with a lot of these in between type bands where it's it, it is that sound, but it's kind of bleeding into these other things. Right. I want to fucking hear one of those slick Demi Borgir fucking style sounds of a black metal band. I want to hear a fucking black metal song that just fucking breaks down into a full-on fucking gent thing. Mm, that must be a thing somewhere. You know what it's I mean? Like, yeah. Someone has to have done that. It's literally putting two opposite things together. Tremolo mm. picking versus staccato picking. Yeah. Hmm. I'm like, how come that's never happened yet? Or at least yeah. I've never heard it. I, I it, need to, if it's it out there, to I want to hear it. <laughs> That'll be a mission for another time. I'm just oh, thinking yeah, to myself, yeah. you know, because it's like, at least, I don't know about now, just because the internet's been such a big thing for a long time, but I think at a certain point, a lot of people's entry into metal in general is thrash, right? Just because, like, at the time, that would have been the most dominant thing. and Wait, especially start even over just again? Metallica. Start over again? Just as far as, like, getting introduced to metal in general, it probably, at a, at a certain point, at the very least, nine times out of ten, somebody's entry point was probably thrash like maybe in the 90s or something just because metallica is ever present and you know slayer whoever megadeth nowadays if you well okay no so what i was gonna say is around the time you and i would have been getting into emperor or bands like that if you're talking about black metal a lot of people i think around that time's entrance would have been symphonic black metal only to discover the other stuff later now yes i fully agree with that because Demu Borgir and Cradle of Filth were actually, for black metal, I mean, they were really big bands. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They still have really good followings. I was going to say, we're going to have to do episodes for both of them. I just checked out a new Cradle song for the first time in years. Man, I've been hearing everybody talk about it, dude. I'm, I, I'm like, I still haven't listened to it because I'm just so not into what they've done forever. It's cool. I mean, I you've heard Cradle before. You know what it's going to sound like. You know what I mean? But like... I wonder if I need to go back and check those later albums because I was like, well, this just sounds like Cradle to me. But I guess the last few, it was just like basically Iron Maiden with Danny Felt vocals, which I'm kind of curious as to how that would sound, even though we've heard the... I'm going to listen to it right now while we're talking. Yeah, what's the fucking Cradle, or, uh, Iron Maiden cover they did back in the day? 
It's um. They did a Maiden cover? Yeah, years ago, man. That's, oh, that's they the did thing. Hello Be Thy Name. That's the one, thank you. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like, we kind of already know what that would sound like, right? Anyway, so what so I was going back to... So, from what I'm hearing right now... I, you know what? I don't even want to get into it on this episode. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. But anyway, so what, what, what I was going with is now, with the legend of second wave Norwegian black metal becoming such a big thing over time to where it's kind of bled into the mainstream a little bit, you know, with, um, amongst other things... You know the do- or not documentary. There are documentaries, but the film Lords of Chaos. You know, like I wonder if a lot of people go straight to Mayhem now, or Dark Throne, or whatever. You know, like oh, dude, most of the talk I see on Twitter is the true cult stuff. Yeah, like like at this point, Symphonic is kind of its own little island. That's just again, it never went away. But like people, people are focusing on other stuff now. You know. It could depend on who you're following, for sure. But we follow, I mean, on Twitter, we follow quite a few people, man. Like, a lot of accounts. Almost double what's almost double what's following us. And yeah. you see a lot of stuff. You also, the cool thing about Twitter is you see stuff that you don't follow. If any band goes away for long enough, if they come back, I mean, especially if they were popular in the first fucking place, which everybody wants to fucking say, you know what, I'm going to save that for a Limp Bizkit episode. Anyway... And I'm going to save the Cradle of Filth thing for a Cradle of Filth episode. We're not talking about either one of those fucking bands right now. We're talking about Emperor. And I mean, the thing is, like, with symphonic black metal, it is weird. And especially with your thing of, like, entry points, it is weird. The farther away you get from our entry points, it's interesting to see what the new entry points are. Mm-hmm. Like, well, like it's, it's like uh, seeing one of the Death Corps, especially the early Death Corps, like, like Suicide Silence, they had that Deftones cover, like, on the second album. You had... Yeah, engine number nine. Is that the one they... Yeah, I think it was the one they did. And then you had Chino guesting on the third Whitechapel album. And then it just... You just come to... You realize that... Oh, and then, you know, and then eventually Jonathan Davis did a song with Suicide Silence as well. Yep. And Corpse Grinder. Yeah, it's... You all of a sudden start seeing like, oh, wow. Like, you have a whole group of bands coming up right now whose biggest influence is new metal. Which, to some degree, well, not anymore. But when those when those things came out, that was a rough slap in the face of, wow, the shit that you used to consider the new hot shit is now the influence for what you're now considering the new hot shit. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh yeah, I got a I got a whole thing about that for the new metal episode. Holy fuck! What are do you have any honorable mentions? I have two. I have one. Can I can I just throw out a couple quick bullet points real quick? Sure. Yeah, so we talked about the uh, Faust thing in the Black Metal episode. If you haven't already heard that, go check it out. I get my thoughts on that. Also, shout out to Metalocalypse. The the one time all of the, you know, permanent members of uh, Emperor were on Metalocalypse as... I'm trying to remember. They were, they were like these fashionista designer dudes that made these special leather outfits for, for Metalocalypse, and they were all grim and dark and Norwegian and wearing all black in that, too. But it was it was all of them, Isan, Trim, and Samoth, which I thought was fun. Nice. Yeah, and then you find out what that leather's made of, and it's just, holy shit, and then, yeah, spoil it. Just go watch it. Go 15-year-old <laughs> show, go watch it. And then, um, yeah, so we're going to cover an Isan solo episode, but also I'm very curious about, so apparently Matt Hafey from Trivium and Isan are really good friends, and they've been working on this 
black metal collaboration project together forever. Uh, but Ooh, he says it's pretty cool. Yeah, he says it's it's almost done. It's going to be based on Japanese folklore, whereas you know a lot of that stuff was based on Norse mythology in the Norwegian scene. But that's kind of a new thing with new black metal. Also, is it's not just Norwegian black metal anymore, and that's the cool thing. Like I think it was the album of the year episode. I mentioned that band Wayfarer. That's like old west black metal. Yeah, yeah. For sure. It's really cool. There's a lot of different, the uh, Svalbard lady, or Nocturne, mm-hmm. you know, Skyrim-themed black metal. Yeah. Like, it's really cool now that black metal has gotten to this point where it has gotten a little bit more respect in the sense that it is being formed into other music just like every other style of music has. You know, we're not leaving it out anymore. Right. Yeah. So I'll, I'll be curious to hear what that sounds like when it comes out. I've heard the name. I can't pronounce it to save my life because it's Japanese. But you know that weird little skull demon dude um, that's Trivium's logo? Whatever the name oh, yeah, whatever yeah. the name of that is in Japanese folklore, that's the name of the band. So Nice. Yeah, that'll be cool. Anyways, uh, yeah, I got one honorable mention. The Prophet. Uh, again, I, I said this was going to happen last time, and it definitely came true. All my shit is from Prometheus. Anyways, The Prophet. Oh, so is this the first time for you? Yeah. And um, if you listen to it, it sounds kind of morbid angelish. It kind of foreshadows where some of those were going to go do. You know what I mean? Like, it makes sense. It's it's chuggy. It's got that sinister groove, man. It's a, it's a very different kind of vibe. And there's a couple moments on here like this. But, yeah, the prophet off of uh, Prometheus, dude. It's fun. It, that's what's kind of cool about Prometheus is for all the different things. There's actually a lot of stuff on the album, like, variety-wise. There's not just one vibe. I mean, it, there's a unifying theme kind of thing going on, but like they go some different territory on here. It's cool. So yeah, I, I feel like that one's probably going to go off under the radar for a lot of people as far as Emperor goes. But yeah, if you haven't listened to Prometheus already, check out The Prophet. It's a little different. Honorable mentions for you. One one reason why I think it's it's a little bit different too is because it is a concept album. So That too. A lot of times, man, that's probably going to be the thing that does it. Yeah, true. <laughs> I have two. One of them used to be one of my favorites. I mean, it still is. It's It would be probably like my number seven, maybe. But it's Empty, the one right before The Prophet from Prometheus. Ah, there you go. I, it's the one that... Yeah, uh, like, it's so fucking That cool. might come up again later. Okay. Yeah. And then I Am the Black Wizards, which, as far as I've... If I remember right, let me look real quick. Yeah, I mean, it's it's their most played song. Yep. Oh, yeah. It's a favorite for a reason. That fucking... I mean, it's classic epitome black metal. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. It's their best... Well, not their best. It's their most played song for a reason. I don't know if it's one that they close with a lot, but I mean, dude, this is one where, I mean, it opens up and the fucking... Oh, with the keyboards in the back, and it's not so busy. And I mean, this is like... Pre melodic symphonic Demu Borgir Cradle of Filth, like it, I mean, this is the start of that. Mm-hmm. It sounds so cool. Now, I also do listen when I listen to it, I listen to the remastered version, but 
it's not much different than the regular version. They didn't make it like super louder. They didn't. It's not like they re-recorded anything. I mean, it's it's just a little bit fucking louder, dude. Like, so it's it's not really different from the regular version, which is nice because it's like, okay, cool. If you accidentally click on the wrong one, you're okay. Those are my two honorable mentions. What is your number five? So by number five, I'm going with Thorns on My Grave. It's it's funny. This is not how I intended things to go, but it is kind of this weird descending order from the album. Uh, but <laughs> it's just a sick closer, man. Thorns on my grave. The Last fucking out track. The blast city right at the start, and then going into the fucking machine gun. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, fuck, dude. To think, and it's the last song they ever. It's the last song of theirs. Period. Because that's where they stopped right after this. It's just, yeah. It's especially as far as like thematic stuff. It's just kind of it perfectly symbolizes their end i i think it's perfectly placed that fucking riff in there was bow, 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 bow. like oh my god like there's mm-hmm. not a lot of bands that do shit like that that's why i said like isan is like the dude man like yeah it's just and then but yeah that middle part where it opens up yeah exactly like, like this whole album is i guess it's considered more progressive than any other earlier stuff too which i guess i could see you know it's a you, you get some cool journeys going on here it's the math. i've really gotten to the point where i just cannot fucking stand that word in music i fucking hate Which it one? so bad progressive uh, you want to know yeah. why i don't like the, the the term it's because everybody uses it for something but no one can tell you exactly what the fuck it means right i could see that that's why it annoys me just because something sounds different doesn't necessarily mean it's progressive. I'm not saying this isn't progressive. I'm saying mm-hmm. this is this album is probably more progressive than a lot of shit that is considered progressive. Yeah, for sure. Anyways, let's see. What's your number five? Oh, shit. You know what else I wanted to just talk about real quick? Go for it. Their fucking logo is amazing. Oh, shit. I, thank you. I completely forgot to mention, dude. <laughs> you know what's fucked up and I didn't realize till we were doing research for this? Huh. The dude that did Emperor's Logo is the same one that did Godhammered's. That's oh, really? fucking crazy. I had no idea. Same guy. That dude's been designing for at least three decades, probably. Dude, that's sick as fuck that they I, got that guy. Yeah, I can't pronounce the guy's name to save my life, and it fucking sucks because he follows me on Instagram. Um... But, like, I would say, like, a quarter of the time, if it's a really sick metal logo at this point, it's probably by him, dude. Oh, fuck. Yeah, that's let me, pretty cool. Yeah, let me uh, find the guy's name at the very least. I could spell it out. I Yeah, their uh, logo is the shit. It, yeah. It, oh, my God, dude. I, I love looking at it. I can't believe I don't have a fucking Emperor shirt. Never have. I want to get one. Actually, I want to get two because I want one with the full logo, and I want one with just that middle E on it, man. So is the dude's name? I'm pretty sure the dude's name is Kristoff, uh, and his last name is spelled S Z P A J D E L. You rule. Thanks for following me, by the way. Um, but like his shit's just everywhere because it's awesome. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. and he's been clearly doing it for a long time. So shout out, man. Oh, he follows us too. Oh shit! All right, cool. Nice, sick. Thanks for following us too. All right, cool. Uh, but he also has a, a website you can go to for some of his shit, and it's called lordoflogos.com. Um, I mean, if you're a logo maker and you didn't have a chance to get that name, you're kicking yourself in the face right now. Yeah, no shit, dude. But yeah, I mean, like you see that everywhere. And and their symbol is kind of the uh, middle E with a 
like a crest around it, kind of like a shield looking thing. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah, it's it's total package, dude. My number five is number one on Prometheus. Starts off with the harpsichord. It's the eruption. There you go. Just I love the way those chords sound on the fucking when he's all like, and he beheld the ruins of an empire torn apart. Like, oh my god, that part is so fucking cool. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he sings it a little higher and way better than I do, but. It's just like, again, like this is the first thing of Emperor I ever heard. And what blew me away was like the clean vocal. I was like, wait, what? Harpsichord, sure, makes sense. Fast riffs, makes sense. But then it slows down and you hit those clean vocals. And then right after that, you know, I mean, he's got the shriek, you know, but I mean, he again, boom, back to the clean vocals, like, there's, I, I I would say like, granted they probably wouldn't like, they probably wouldn't like Emperor anyway. But the people that complain about you know ooh Travis Ryan putting fucking clean vocals in Cattle Decapitation, mm-hmm. like dude he's not the first person to take something that extreme. I mean it's one thing you know to scream and sing in the same song, but dude something extreme, it isn't that common. But he's also not the first man. I mean, it's not like, but again, like anybody that doesn't like him doing it probably wouldn't like Emperor anyway. So I guess it doesn't matter, but it's a, it's a fucking awesome song. It's a great way to fucking kick off the album because I think it's intro and outro harpsichord. Uh, not so much harpsichord at the end. It's just got the fucking real. Yeah. Like this, yeah. this kind of like, it's like the song dying. Right, it's mm-hmm. the guitar is like slowly dying out and dying down, and it's like the song is fucking dying. So, uh, yeah. what is number four for you? Going with again, you know, all my shits off Prometheus in the wordless chamber. All things nice. just about atmosphere to me. Like, like again, atmosphere journey. This fucking song has it all. It's kind of an, an accompanying, not an accompanying, but you know, an encompassing song for this whole album man and it's you know in the middle it's a good transitional song between songs it's it's awesomely placed i it's haunting man like oh yeah again i i think the more i think about it contrasting with this with your mayhems and your dark thrones and whatnot a lot of what attracted me to what does attract me to this music is the use of the keyboards as a atmospheric element you know and so do you like demu borgir I do. I don't listen to them all the time, okay. but I do enjoy them, you know? Uh, I guess going back to that note, also something else about this album compared to the old Emperor albums, when you think of black metal, you typically think of high shrieking vocals, and a lot of the earlier Emperor stuff is super high to the point where I don't really care for it. But like this, it's high, but it's not like it's passable high to me. And that's kind of what the deal with uh, Demu is too. Like, dudes, it's just it's got ah, this whole thing right here, you know, which, which is passable. I actually like what Ishan does on this album way more. But like, you know, that's another thing that kind of distinguishes it from the other Emperor albums, I guess. And kind of what steered me to liking this one in the first place. But yeah, man, like some of that might have to do with like the production. If it's because I mean, dude, a high pitched scream on a shitty mic. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably would sound better on a different mic. Yeah, for sure. 
But also, yes, they some of these guys do like a, a much thinner scream. Yeah. Versus something like Demi Borger, who does more of like a death metal high scream. Yeah, I don't even, but like, like I don't know what you call that shit, like goblin voice. There's something very unique because obviously there's there's highs in death metal too, but also like there's something distinctly only in black metal that's kind of the oh I'm hanging out under the bridge in the fucking dungeon troll voice. Well, so there's more of a shriek on the highs and the lows. It's like it's more of it's like they're playing a role. Right. Yeah. You know, like that's that's the thing. And then a bath even took it fucking further where he actually I think he put distortion on his vocals. Oh really? As far as I know, that's how you get that digital type sound. Okay. Because I've done it before. Right. Like back in the day, we would just fucking around. We'd plug the mic straight into the distortion pedal and then out the distortion pedal into the fucking PA. Mm. And it gives it that same exact sound. There's there's a little thing I'll get onto about that on a uh, Zayo episode. Nice. Again, it's not a shitload. You just don't turn the gain all the way up. Right, yeah. It adds a little. Keep the gain down, but it's, it sounds fucking really weird like that. But it's more of playing a role, and you're trying, again, like, it might be hard for you because you don't have an idea of what evil sounds or looks like. You get sinister, but you said before, like, you don't know what evil looks like. I guess. I I don't know. Again, I, I chalk it up to the... You said it didn't. It just doesn't cross your mind. It, it doesn't. Again, I just wondered if it had to do with me not growing up in a religious household or something. I don't know. I don't think so, because I know people who didn't grow up in a religious household like like yourself, and they see something like black metal or listen to something like black metal, and this sounds evil to them. Yeah, I guess just it, it's all dorky to me, dude. Like, you can be like a menacing... Obviously, some of these dudes went to jail and are fucking... Whatever you want. They're horrible people, but they're fucking dorks too, you know? Like, there's not mutual exclusivity. It can be both. Like, Well, yeah, that's how I feel about horror movies. Yeah. It just looks dumb to me. Because, like, to me, in my head, the shit you see in horror movies, not the shit they're doing, the shit you see, like, the characters. Okay, doing something evil, like, there's just evil deeds. Those don't get, those don't matter who does them. Mm -hmm. There's no look to that, right? I'm talking about something that looks evil. You look at Jeffrey Dahmer, that dude does not look evil at all. Which one's Jeffrey Dahmer? The one with the glasses, the dude the fucking ate dudes, had heads in the fucking freezer and shit. Okay, mm. that dude's an evil fucking dude. He doesn't look evil. Ted Bundy doesn't look evil. Charles Manson doesn't even look evil. Charles Manson looks fucking crazy. I don't even think he looks crazy. I think he looks like a fucking hippie that I could literally walk to OB right now and fucking see someone who looks just like that. I mean, he was a hippie, so there you go. Uh, that's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, there's some of the most evil people on the planet, like legit have done evil deeds, don't look evil. So looking evil and being evil is two completely different things. And I know tons of people who watch horror movies didn't grow up in a religious background or did grow up in a religious background think horror movies two opposite different things like two opposite things some mm. of them see that shit as evil as fuck and here's the other thing there's a big difference between evil and scary i was gonna say maybe maybe we're thinking of two different things then there's a big difference between evil and scary okay hmm. a shark looks scary it doesn't look evil i'm just thinking yeah, maybe we're just going by two different definitions. Then. Standing on a fucking cliff looking down with no railing, that's scary as fuck, but it's not evil. Yeah. 
I don't know. I, it, again, it's all in the eye of the beholder, right? I, well, I just see some people, com, some people see evilness or see stuff that is considered look evil looking, and they're not scared by it. And other people are scared shitless of it. Yeah, and I that's suppose. there's people there's plenty of people that are scared of fucking pentagrams and shit that aren't religious people. I it's all just dorky to me, dude. I don't know what to tell you. It's just fucking hokey. Maybe well, I got what no do you concept consider, of evil. What do you okay? Like this aside, do you consider anything that's evil looking? I know you said it doesn't really cross your mind. I don't know. I maybe if I thought about it. Well, okay, I'll fucking Ted Bundy. That dude, like. There's a little something behind the eyes in some of those pictures. You know what I mean? If I'm thinking of Jeffrey Dahmer correctly, I do agree with that assessment. He just looked like a mopey dude in a courtroom. I, but you if know. you didn't know what he did, would he look evil to you? Jeff, Jeffrey Dahmer? Based on what I yes. recall, no. But, like, it's those, it's those, you know, Ted Bundy photos. I, I will go back. I don't know about Charles Manson. Like, he, there's, there's an energy there for sure. Like, like, pfft, pfft. Gonzo. He looked fucking Gonzo in those pictures. You know, it's always the same handful of pictures, right? But I would argue that you can't necessarily make that assumption because you didn't see that picture before or without some type of connotation to what he did in the first place. Mm. There's a reason you saw those pictures. Yeah, fair. I don't know, man. I just you you're posing questions I've never really thought of before as far as what the concept of good and evil is. It's not the concept. It's literally just what it looks like. Yeah. But again, man, I just, I don't know, man. Black metal dudes are just, those those dudes are dorks. They will probably tell you in, in some instances they were dorks back then. Not, I'm sure a lot of others will be like, oh, whatever. That whole oh, they could be totally fucking dorks, dude. I'm not talking about what they're like. I'm talking about what they look like. And I'm not even talking about what they look like. I'm talking what the music sounds like. A lot of it, I don't know, but it it's been so long since I got into any of that. I don't know. I can recall how some of it affected me. Others. There's a lot of people who specific. I know quite a few people who specifically with the re- one of the reasons they listen to so much hip hop. Some of that stuff that they've listened to, man, is done by terrible people. Have done some pretty bad shit, but it doesn't cross their mind because they don't consider it fucking evil because it doesn't sound evil. Hmm. Okay, but this stuff, they won't listen to this shit. I mean, most for the most part, they generally don't listen to any metal because they, they you know, they talk about like that's evil shit. Yeah, I, I just assume, you know, not assume, but like a lot of people just don't listen to it because it's cacophonous to them, you know? Well, there's a lot of people that consider it evil. And, and that's the thing. Evil also doesn't necessarily mean Satan or religious at all because there's some people who believe in the duality of things, there are good forces and evil forces, or just good and evil things to do, which means there's good and evil sounds. If you've considered that before. Most people, when they hear harpsichord, think of something A, evil, B, sinister, C, scary. I was just talking about this with Deja, especially with the eruption coming up, the song, because there was a harpsichord on there. Oh, yeah. It's very discordant for most people, not myself, myself not included. I think it sounds fucking pretty, actually, I think it sounds pretty nice. But for most people, a harpsichord is a very abrasive instrument. She turned on some harpsichord music to hear what it sounded like. She couldn't quite place it. It like really bothered her. It almost made her panicky. Interesting. When I think of harpsichord without this context, I just think of dudes in rolly wigs and furly, you know, puffy coats fucking bowing. I think of it as a detuned piano. 
I mean that it's 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 you know whereas dyn- or piano is a more dynamic instrument, harpsichord's only got one level. I also understand that it is a discordant sound. Oh yeah, it's not a it's not a smooth sound. Right. It's almost like the you know the the tritone, right? The devil's whatever it's called, the tritone. Yeah, that's it. That's that sinister slash evil fucking sound. That's what that is, right? And so it's like okay. It's something that sparks something in you. It's It makes you uncomfortable for the majority of people. That's why a lot of stuff in jazz never fucking got really popular. It's hard for people to get into it because it is abrasive music. And it's abrasive sounds. And to, to a lot of people, harpsichord is just that. That's why every Halloween you hear harpsichord music. Like it's generally associated with sinister, evil or at least on this, at least bad, you know, like it's associated with that sort of thing because it's discordant and anything discordant because it's abrasive automatically just through our subconscious gets thrown into that pile. I'm just trying, now you got me trying to think of like Halloween music with harpsichord. I, I think more of theremin when I think Halloween. Theremin's another instrument that because of the way it fuck the, the actual sound coming out, the sound waves that are coming out, it's discordant. It's not smooth. Yeah. Now I'm going to go, just like, there it's, has to be a black metal band that has theremin out there, right? Uh, I don't know, because it's a really hard instrument to play, because <clears throat> there's a lot of distance between a magnet. It, it would be hard to get an exact spot, but I mean, I'm sure there's probably something. Yeah. All these things we're throwing out, somebody has to have thought of it. If not, we're going to jump on it. Oh, somebody's someone's probably tried it. It may not have worked, but someone's probably tried it. Yeah, I'm I mean, sure. I've I've heard theremin in metal. I'm just talking about like in the right, context right. of black metal specifically. But yeah, uh, where are we even right now? Are we on your number four? Yeah, we're on my number four. Cool. Towards the Pantheon off of the first album in the Nightside Eclipse, which that's another thing. The album names in the Nightside Eclipse and Anthems to the Welkin at Dusk. Like, just fucking rule. Their song fucking titles just fucking rule. It tells you everything you need to know. They evoke imagery. Right, just like death metal does. It, it's mm-hmm. That's one thing I think is so cool about death metal is they do take that theater of the mind and really take you to the sound that they're trying to convey. Yeah. You know, not just from the band name or the sound, but also the titles of the songs. To some degree, the look. I mean, death metal dudes don't necessarily dress up, but I mean, for a while, there was like, I mean, they all look, you know, oh, I got the long hair. We all have our look as well. Yeah, long hair covering the face, even. And it's, I'm sure that's a product more of. They all stand there with their hands at their side. They don't fucking, yeah. you know, they don't smile. You know, it's, it there was definitely a look to that as well. And these guys adopted that also. And, and, uh, I always just thought it was really cool, but this one's not super riffy. So it's, it's more of that melodic tremolo picking, big fucking keyboard, ambient keyboard sounds, especially at the start of the fucking song. You get more in the middle, you know, and then a little more. Eh. I wouldn't say it gets riffy at all. I think this one's more of like that setup for less of the Dimu Borgir. Like, because I mean, they had like serious fucking riffs, dude. Not saying anybody else didn't. There, there was always this big thing for me that I, I always saw as a kind of a. It was kind of a, almost like a a Black Sabbath Led Zeppelin type thing, or or better yet, like a Black Sabbath versus like Deep Purple kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. It was always like Demi Borgir was like symphonic 
black metal that had like a lot of riffing in it. Right. Yeah. Not not all riffs, but it had a lot of riffing in it. Cradle of Filth was more of a symphonic black metal that had a lot more of like it was more melody driven, less riff driven. Not saying neither one of them had riffs, and I'm not saying neither one either one didn't have melody either. I'm just saying they weren't playing like they weren't doing shit like that. Cradle Field wasn't doing shit like that. It was these big, long, tremolo-picked runs where actually probably the riff, if there was one, was actually being played by the keyboard. Mm-hmm. And then you have those other bands that do the opposite. So the guitar is doing the... You know, and then the keyboard in the background is like... You know, like, it's an accompaniment to it. And, I, you know, and it's like, obviously, Cradle of Filth and Dumu have both of those things. Most bands have both... You know, most black metal bands, I mean, have both of those things. But they do kind of lean heavier towards one or the other, where this towards the Pantheon song is kind of like one of those more Cradle of Filth style it just really the thing that really holds it together for me because i am a riff guy i do have a harder time with the stuff like this but to me the thing that really fucking opens this thing up is isan's fucking screaming over top of it Mm. there's tales of like banshees screaming in the night night people haunting a forest and screaming and wailing in the night you know and there was always something cool about that to me i mean it never not super fucking not like scary but like the occult shit i'm drawn to it it's interesting to me it, it's it seems cool to me it's something i'm drawn to and also just like scary stories appeal to me as well even though i don't like horror movies i do like a well-crafted scary story especially if it's something steeped in like folklore You're like i love that sort of thing that's one thing I do like about the black metal shriek, man, is it reminds me of, I can literally listen to this stuff and picture them in a fucking snow covered forest performing this and seeing someone like Isan just, in fact, not even seeing Isan, just seeing this fucking banshee fucking thing, just screaming in the fucking night. That's what this music fucking, at least, especially this first emperor album. And you know, dude, the album cover helps it absolutely helps shout out to god dude <laughs> i wish i could pronounce his name too i think it's like christian wallen or whalen or something like that yeah yeah valine yeah yeah who um you know slaughter of the soul some of the black dahlia albums like he's he's a yeah. classic classic and he was also in some gate or excuse me bands with thomas Lindbergh, fucking grotesque and then later great deceiver like yeah dude's multi-talented i think he still I mean, does album artwork it, it's such a cool fucking album cover, but I, but again, like that, all that stuff. I mean, it it just when they're picking all that, when they're doing the super fast picking, it's this long fucking run. So they're holding on one note for a while, and then to the it almost sounds like wind rushing through the fucking trees, blowing the snow. It's it's just all of that stuff, especially in this fucking song to me, and it's just like really, it's almost like triumphant to me. Uh, triumphant's a weird word, but right. It is. It is. I don't know. I, it's. It's hard to explain. But just again, like it's like you were saying with the keyboards. When the, with the keyboards are there, as much as I love the stuff without keyboards as well, because that stuff is more riff oriented. I mean, you kind of have to be. The keyboard stuff definitely does. There's a lot more that you can evoke. I mean, 
if we're being completely honest, there's a lot more you can evoke with a keyboard because you have so many more different like sounds. Well, I was going to say for this stuff in particular, it's just like a whole new context into those sounds. You know what I mean? Like right through a more metallic sound that I'm used to with guitars and bass and drums and all that. It's, it's like a conveyor to this whole other thing you don't get otherwise because a lot of stuff doesn't have keyboards too, you know? So that's definitely yeah. what drew me in initially, especially as far as first getting into that. Okay, so what's your third favorite song on Prometheus? <laughs> <laughs> Not inaccurate. Uh, empty. You already <laughs> mentioned it before. Nice. And uh, if you know me, you know I like some Castlevania, and the start of this song sounds like a fucking level in Castlevania. Oh, dude. It's like the, these guys, no, not these guys specifically, but like, you know, like stuff like that, like it all, a lot of that sounds like it could be on like a game like that. You know what I mean? This, um, some cradle, some demure, as we said earlier, maybe that's another thing is I, I wouldn't, you wouldn't expect to have the third in the trilogy in that black metal trilogy from dark throne on a fucking video game. You know what I mean? It's just a completely different thing. Although I'm sure now that I put that out there. One thing I'll say about Empty 2 is if this wasn't mixed as well as it is, the start of this song would sound like something on In the Night Side. Actually, probably sound more like at the Anthems at the Welkin at Dusk. Mm -hmm. There's like four different things the keyboards are doing in the background. So you have the... Well, now you're saying that, you're making me wonder how they do all this shit live, right? Because like all of them are playing their guitar, bass, drums, whatever. Is there a separate dude doing all the keyboard stuff, or is it all just pre-programmed? I mean, if they're smart, just pre-programmed. Yeah, just I, I'm curious. It's a pretty easy thing to figure out if you just go on YouTube, but I just didn't think of that till just now. I mean, you got the fucking guitars going. You know, one thing I always loved about this stuff too, if, especially if you listen to it in headphones, the guitars aren't dead on. Right. Like the left side guitar and the right side guitar, they're both playing the same thing, but they're not dead on. It's a really cool effect. A lot of people used to use, not necessarily use it, maybe they just did it and they didn't want to. It just didn't work out the way they wanted it to. But I have noticed some of those OSDM bands do it as well. You could sit and nitpack, nitpick that and make it sound perfect so it sounds like one guitar playing it. Mm-hmm. A la Metallica. But why? Right. If you have two guitarists in your band, why would you not want it to sound like two guitar players playing it? Yeah. It, it's it's very hard for two guitar players to sound dead on. Now, there are some bands that are very technical that do do that. But a lot of those bands, it's just the one dude that's recording it so that it can be tighter, which I totally understand if that's the vibe you're going for. But there's also this other vibe that's just as fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. And that is, it sounds like two guitar players playing it on either side you know and and it's really fucking cool but yeah i mean there's so it's not four different things but i mean there's definitely the you know you have your right side left guitar two playing the same thing granted they're just off barely not to the point where it sounds sloppy but then you have the keyboard it's do it's basically two keyboard parts doing two different things Mm mm-hmm until you hit the fucking part where it's then that's when it kind of like (laughs) <laughs> everything kind of syncs up. Yeah. But the cool thing is like, you listen to that shit. And it's like the drums are still just like, you know, like when he starts singing, it goes back to that fucking like the keyboards, dude, like it's unnerving, dude. I think that's part of the appeal. It's there's a frantic yes. nature, you know, that's why, I, that's why I said like duty sounds a genius. Mm-hmm. Hmm. 
Sorry, you, know, you just made me think of something else because there's like some layering stuff going on. I'm just listening to it right now because there's a there's another thing he's doing in here. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was just like, oh, there's something, you know, there's layering. You know what we should do? We should do like, we need to do like a, pretty soon we should do like a fucking, you know, black metal essentials and have do this one or Nightside Eclipse. I mean, eventually I would like to do both, but really get into what they're playing. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, there's got to be more layering in this, right, than the night side. Or, again, maybe I just assume that, and it's just harder to tell because of the mix. Did that middle part like, so fucking cool, dude. I mean, granted, that's more of what I would consider normal, if anything, melodic death metal. But, man, that detuned guitar at the end. That's where I'm talking about Isan. That's more of what I'm talking about with Isan. Like, like it's so out there that he's doing that sort of thing i mean especially 2001 i mean i don't know i mean people were doing weird shit with music long before that so it's just in this context of everything being so extreme i mean you listen to this song in particular if not their whole career you listen to the song and it's like yeah i mean now you know where something like anal nathrak exists right yeah but what you were saying about in the nightside eclipse i think the big difference between something like this and in the nightside eclipse is in the nightside eclipse is not mixed as well you know Mm -hmm. it's older album there's not a big time difference, but there's a big difference. I mean, we've talked about it before with like the exponential, you know, uh, technology and advancing exponentially. And it doesn't look like a huge difference between 94 and 2001. But if you look at other bands at the time, you know, if you look at bands that had like really good sounding shit in 94, chances are you're looking at the big bands. Yeah. Yeah. You're talking about what was available in 94 comparatively, right? Right. I mean, you could do, in the last, what, 15 years, you could do a completely good-sounding, you know, recording by yourself is when all that shit started, right? And, yeah. I mean, even home recording capabilities have changed a lot in the last five years, let alone 15, 20. Like, unless you're going to be some fucking really, like, like just hell-bent on doing it, like Trent Reznor. Mm-hmm. But the reason Trent Reznor was such a big deal was because there wasn't a whole lot of dudes doing that kind of shit at that time. Right. Now, he showed everybody that you could do it, but that doesn't mean everybody wants to do it that way because at the time, it's so much harder. But 94 to 2001, there's a big fucking difference. And then you take that 2001, you look at 20 years later. Right, yeah. Oh, shit, it has been 20 years. Now look at the difference. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like you could see, and then you you throw the fact on that, that money has to be thrown down somewhere and how available is money. How awesome are the studios in Norway at the time? You know, do they have money to go outside of Norway? They probably don't. So, I mean, you look at it in the Nightside Eclipse, man, and it's like it's mixed very well for probably the amount of money that they spent on it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we're not talking about, you know, fucking Metallica here. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, I think that's probably the biggest difference. The keyboards are a lot louder on in the Nightside Eclipse. Actually, you know, I think the one that's mixed the weirdest is Anthems to the Welkin at Dusk. Possibly, I don't know. There's not, not there's like not huge, 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 huge differences in those first three albums to me. Aside from again, time, money. I just mean like what they're doing with the keyboards because the keyboards aren't mixed very like they're mixed very forward on all three of those albums. Right. So it's probably not an album by album thing. It's probably more of a song by song thing. If the weirder those keyboards get and the more off those keyboards get, being that forward in the mix, the it's going to be hard to follow that song. And that's where I was saying, dude, like some of those songs, if you have a hard time following it, man, listen to the live version. Mm, right. Because the keyboards, the keyboards aren't so forward in the mix. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and you and you could really fucking like really chew like latch onto what exactly they're doing on the guitars. Right. And and they're fucking awesome guitar players, dude. You know, I I think Samoth and Isan should be talked about. In my opinion, they should be talked about right there with, you know, Carrie and Jeff. I don't know oh. if they're great solo guys, yeah. but I don't. I mean, I like Slayer solos for a very specific fucking reason, which we'll get into in a Slayer episode. But I mean, I think they're right up there in the they're they're in the top ten for me as far as like guitar duos. And, and and I think they're super underrated. No, a lot of people talk about his son. No one talks about him and Samoth. Mm-hmm. You know. So that being said, my number three is Beyond the Great Vast Forest, off of In the Nightside Eclipse. It's another one where it's just like it's that real melodic fucking style, man. Like it's got awesome keyboard sounding. That's kind of following the guitar, so it's. It's easy It's easy to get what's going on. That's another thing with Prometheus, man. I mean, I guess that's why I say, like, I consider that more progressive than a lot of stuff that considers itself progressive is the fact that, like, the shit that he's doing with the keyboards and how everything is doing, all this stuff is playing different shit. It's like jazz. Right. I think the stuff that's going on, that's why it's hard to grasp is because everything's playing something different. This song, most of this album... For the most, like a lot of times, the keyboard is playing what "quote unquote" normal, normal, symphonic black metal keyboard stuff. Like this really did lay the groundwork or the template for that fucking whole style. Where Prometheus is more chaotic, Mm -hmm. which would lean right up into your alley of Converge, Dillinger Escape Plan, right? But I mean, this one's like everything's all fucking like big and spacious and then all of a sudden here come the fucking blast beats dude so then all of a sudden it opens up with this majestic kind of keyboard sound and it's got this fucking rhythm the then it drops down very very cool but that's just this middle section we go back up to this climb it almost I would say this keyboard sound for anybody who's fucked with keyboards, it's probably one of those like, you know, five voice like settings. That's what my, like a choir setting. That's what it reminds me of the, the style keyboard. It, it builds back up with that, the same type of stuff that was at the start. Then it goes back to the fast stuff, full on fucking choir esque outro with more of a faster fucking beat underneath it. And again, it's one of those ones that just reminds me of fantasy music. Like like fantasy movie, fantasy book type music, like Dragonlance or fucking Lord of the Rings and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of of that style, which is a lot what black metal, I mean, a lot of black metals like that. There's a lot of black metal stuff that reminds me of that, which later on turned into almost a whole separate thing, you know, more along the lines of like Viking metal and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. And again, like beyond the Great Vast Force, I mean, you look at the album cover and you see that name. It's like, fuck yeah, dude. Like, that's awesome. Then you have the album cover, but you also have that sick fucking logo right there. Again, total fucking package. You know what? And then hindsight, you saying all that makes me think that, like, that is one of, se- you know, a few things that Prometheus kind of lacks. Because you got the grandiose names in the Nightside Eclipse, anthems to Wilkin at dusk. And it's just, what's this one? 
Prometheus. It's you know the I mean? story got of Prometheus. These... The discipline in the... I mean, you know, inherently... What is it? The discipline in the... <sighs> Something about fire. I cannot remember. But, like, you know what I mean? It's just, like, in general. Even the one before that. What's this one? Uh, equilibrium. Anything else? There's a... There's a... There's an I and an X before Oh, the discipline you know of I mean? fire like, and demise. That's right. But yeah, I mean... And I wonder if that was a conscious thing where it's just like, man, we don't need to be having all these words for, for these things. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> well, I don't know. It's it makes, it makes sense with the Prometheus one because that's what the concept of the concept album is. It's the story of Prometheus. Mm-hmm. You know, so that makes sense. I, I Yeah, but even the shorter song titles the just empty. is, you know, nine equilibrium... Because IX is nine, right? Yeah. Wait, no. Is it? Yeah. Because it's the, the I is before the X, and that's how they the le- subtract. Yeah, and all the that. left is is subtracted, right? Yeah. But it's not like their ninth album. Like, you know, what is, you know, 1X equilibrium? Yeah. I, that was, that's a mystery to me to this day. I don't think I've ever known that. I, yeah, it, it does sound, seem weird. Prometheus is actually a longer title than all the other ones because it is technically Prometheus right. colon Comma, the discipline of fire and demise. Colon, yeah. Now you could technically say, "Well, I love the album. I love the Nightside album. Mm-hmm. I love the Anthems album. I love the Equilibrium album, or I love Prometheus. Or you could go, I like Eclipse, Welkin, Equilibrium, Prometheus. So you can actually shorten all those, right? If you were so inclined." Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is kind of weird that there's just this one. Just it's just like one X equilibrium. Yeah, <laughs> I know, but just even again, even the song titles. You go from those lengthier ones on Nightside, and then it's just uh, depraved uh, eruption. Uh, fucking, you know, empty. Like I don't know, just an interesting observation I didn't think about till now. Well, I think that there was one that started that. I think I thought was um, was it anthems. No, I think it's equilibrium. It could be equilibrium. Let's have a look. Oh, I guess there's only one. There's Sworn. Mm-hmm. And then there's one literally called Instrumental. Yeah. I don't know if that's I don't know if that was on the real album though. Yeah. That just might be on Spotify or something. Yeah, Spotify gets Anthems fucky like to the that. Welcome to Dusk. I mean, you have you have a couple the Wanderer. Cause I'm the Wanderer. Again, that's a, it, they call me the Wanderer. I don't wanderer. even know if this is an intentional thing. <laughs> it's just an observation I made after all this discussion. So yeah, it it literally is Prometheus that just has all the the shorter titles, but at the same time, yeah, he he was writing all of it, and again, I think that does kind of s- set it up more for that uh, concept album, you know, with the long title, shorter long long album title, shorter, you know, song names, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's was conscious or just ended up, you know, it just worked out that way, you know, like it might have just worked out that way. Yeah, I could see it either way. And we're probably not going to know, you know, know because there's not a lot of information on pretty much any of this stuff, really. You know, I've never looked up to see if there is, like, any interviews with, as I'm looking at one right now. It's I was going to say. the bottom of the Wikipedia. Yeah. This is the first time I've ever clicked one of the fucking things in, like, the, the references of No, I do that Wikipedia. all the time. Just not in this instance. Do you? Yeah, but not I've just, just I've never this done one. it. Yeah. I just had to click this one Emperor Colon Symphony of Destruction, which is a guitarworld.com uh, interview. So maybe I'll have to check that out sometime. I, yeah, I'm just, I've I feel never, like I might have read that at some point. I probably have. I, it's so weird. I've just never clicked on any of these. It's kind of cool. But yeah, I've never seen an interview with any either of them. 
I've never. I don't think I've ever heard Isan talk. <laughs> well, now I'm trying to think if. Well, I have. I've oh, heard I him have talk plenty I, of times because I've seen a couple black, like early black metal uh, documentaries and stuff. So yeah, I have heard him talk. Now that I think about it. Yeah, and and I'm just trying to figure out if they, any of the inter. You know, it'd probably be Isan that they would talk to, but any of the Emperor guys got interviewed in any of the banger TV stuff, like the movie or the the TV series. Because they, Lord knows, they interview fucking everybody else in Norway. It seems like the infamous scene with uh, Gall from Gorgoroth, or at the time it was Gorgoroth. I don't even know what he, what his band is now, but with the, what is what fucking, what is freedom? Oh yeah, fucking Satan. Yeah, you know that. Whatever he said. Yeah. Yeah. Don't fuck with that dude. No, he's a bit on the intense side. Yeah. Supposedly. Off camera, he was super lovely. Oh, I've heard, I've, I've read stuff where, where a lot of people have said like, he's, he's like the nicest dude in the world. You just, just don't cross him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. You know, he's, for sure. he's nice as fuck. Just don't cross the guy. Like, he will fuck you up. Yeah. Which there's a lot of people like that. Interesting fella. Number two for you. We're going number two on the album, Depraved. It's just something about the way that it opens with that gnarly guitar thing. And then it's got the little, you know, everything that goes from there. It sets the tone. It's the logical follow-up to Eruption, fucking sequentially speaking, you know? Like, like, oh, man, it just all flows so well. So you're talking the little intro thing, that... Yeah, that's cool. That's creepy, but it's like... Yeah, it's like barely sounds like a guitar. Yeah, it's, it's almost like another... It doesn't sound like anything else, though. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I, I had to, you know, upon revisiting, I was like, oh, it's not another harpsichord. It's a weird guitar. I thought, right. <laughs> but, it, but it's like really, and I always come back to this one part, but I, it, it's really only right here that that happens, you know? But it's so integral to me. It's interesting. It's whatever it is. It sounds like a, it, I mean, it could be a keyboard. It sounds very lo-fi, very filtered. Yeah, so, whatever it is. It, 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 but, you know, it evokes... A feeling it evokes some imagery. It's it's fucking cool, man. Like it's it's funny too. Thinking about the artwork, it's it's like, if not biblical, it's some you know, old picture put through some sort of filter. But all I think when I think of this album is just snow. You know what I mean? It's like you haven't. Uh, yeah. If anybody's played, is the, this, uh, isn't it two pictures layered on top of each other? Oh, probably. Yeah, that that seems that's about right. that's what it reminds yeah. me of. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just so. So this album is almost like your version of my heartwork. As far as what? <clears throat> Where like all my favorite shit. Well, actually, heartwork wasn't the one, huh? Because there was one. In my time, that was four out of the five. Oh, got it, got it, got artwork. it. Yeah, I yeah, I mean, literally every selection is from the same. Have album. I done one five for five? I thought I did one that was five for five. Trying to think right now. I don't remember now. Yeah, could have swore I had one that was five for five. Hmm. But anyway, this is one that's like one of those um, call. It, it reminds me of like. Something like some of those old King Crimson songs where it's just like certain Meshuggah songs where it's just like so out there you can barely listen to it. Right. I don't listen to this one a whole lot. It's not – it's a song to me that it's like if you're just like some type of like a a music nerd that wants to hear something that you're probably not going to hear anybody else do. Mm-hmm. 
but you're not necessarily listening to it just to like, I mean, you're not going to listen to just a headbang. Right. Yeah. You know, or I, I almost want to say you're listening to it. You don't want to listen to it out of enjoyment, but you can music nerd things and still enjoy that song. Yeah. It's um, just a different kind of enjoyment. It's a different right, kind of right. experience. It's, yeah. It's, it's not, it, I don't know what you would call it. Yeah, but yeah, this is, this is definitely not one that you're just going to like throw on on like while you're cleaning your house while you're at a party just to feel like awesome and fucking you know headbang or you know whatever it's really out there i mean until the end it's really fucking kind of a weird song yeah pretty much and then towards the end it just you know that's when the the drums raise up it gets into a little bit it settle it kind of settles into a a steady pattern you know and then you hit that fucking which that that fucking shit reminds me of something i cannot think of what it is right now sad to say this is the weirdest weird i mean weird in the the most literal sense uh weirdest song on the album because everything else it's eclectic it's avant-garde it's it's you know it's a lot going on but this one's got the the most out there kind of vibe for sure oh yeah dude and it's the oh, second sure. track on the fucking album, so interesting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Speaking of, well, now I'm kind of curious to see where you're well? going for your number one. Although, oh, I'm it's obvious. Pretty sure I, it's very. Obvious, I'm pretty sure yeah. I know because you said descending, right? So, or yeah, yeah, yeah. descending order. Yep, exactly. Only one way to go so, down. My number two is Ye and Transimperium. <clears throat> they close with this one a lot. It's cool. It's got that fucking like almost like that or origin. It, it almost sounds like bees. <laughs> got you. Like a swarm of bees. You know, like uh, I, I, I can only think of it as origin has a few songs like that, mm-hmm. but it's like the fucking like with the fucking blast man it's a again it so many actually it's not i guess that's not the word so many black metal bands have taken this as their entire style i don't i'm not saying anybody's ripping them off what i'm saying is these guys like carcass laid a template for melodic death metal Specifically, Swedish melodic death metal, you know, which ended up being just becoming melodic death metal, right? For the most part, this, especially that part, like just really fucking laid. Again, they're still setting the template. You know, it's just by now they're deep into it. You know, I mean, it's 1997. I mean, Dimu may have been a band by this time, but these guys were still laying that fucking groundwork like but they're they're slowly taking their foot out of the true cult style and they're slowly putting that foot all the way into the symphonic style right dude the fucking song you know i'm not gonna put the fucking progressive tag there but they have this weird harmony because you have this guitar in the background but the harmony on it makes it sound like super fucking uh discord discordant dissonant um or unless maybe he's doing a chord which is totally possible but i'm not sure it doesn't sound like he's using a chord he might be because it's like or maybe it's a keyboard i don't know dude but it's just this crazy sounding thing that if it wasn't there this would almost just if this wasn't there and it was just fucking low vocals like 
it would just be a fucking death metal song, at least on that part. Mm -hmm. But on that part, there's nothing else there. I think it's just the drums, dude. Mm. So yeah, there's there's another guitar there. So yeah, like again, like that riff, you could use like in a death metal song, right? You know, you what what makes it different is that that little touch from his song. You know, but then towards the end, it's just got this big fucking, you know, like he's got the huge fucking clean vocals, but just like a lot of fucking stuff I love with Death Metal 2, just fucking boom. You think it's going to end on this big triumphant thing, then boom, right back to Blast City, dude. We're going to end it out on Blast fucking City, dude. I mean, I would, here's a, I would love to hear Morbid Angel do that song. Mm, Interesting. Especially with Trey's weird leads and shit. Yeah, right. And like all the effects that they have nowadays to make that weird shot, that weird part I was talking about, mm-hmm. make sound even weirder. Like I would love to hear Morbid Angel do that fucking song. That would be fucking sweet. Would you like to announce the eruption right now, good sir? You just did. <laughs> it's, it's eruption, man. That's. You said uh, pretty much all the points that I could possibly say, but you know this was this was the one that made me go from this isn't for me to okay I could dig this a little more. You know what I mean? But that's that, that's that again with the wind effects. Wind, you know, like at the beginning, yeah. where, and the whispering, obviously. But the, you know, the wind effects, you can't go wrong. It just again, it really sets the table for there what's to come. And then okay, so we talked about the harpsichord, but I'm just like, oh yeah, there's like a little layer of violin something in there too. That's a little underneath it, but like. It's a whole thing. And that's just, it's what I wanted out of this music when I first started hearing about it. You know what I mean? It's, uh, it's, it's. Oh yeah, there's violin over top of it. Yeah, it's not horror in the sense that like, it's trying to like, portray anything, so to speak. So much as it's just them being them or whatever. But like, it's horror adjacent. You know what I mean? It's, 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 it evokes imagery. It evokes a mood. It sounds like, like a lament. Yeah. It's 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 up there, man. Like like whatever you want to call it, it's it's moody, it's atmospheric, and then just yeah, again with the the frantic riffing. Again, there's like a grip of parts to this song. You know, it's just not clear cut verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, fucking chorus. Oh no, there's not a lot of their stuff that's like that. In fact, a lot of that's kind of a staple black metal in general is like weird song structures. Right. That was that was something that they consciously did. Yeah, and, I mean, it's especially Isan. Isan yeah. and Euronymous were two, like, they were the dudes that really took the whole song structure angle and kind of flipped it on its head. You know, they were they were both really big on that. Yeah, you know, I do get curious now to see, like, I do get curious, like, you know, because he doesn't get talked about a whole shitload. I mean, unless there's like a lot of black metal fans, and even then, they don't talk about him a whole lot. I know there's a lot of memes about it, but that's just for fucking funny. But, like, I wonder what Euronymous would be doing now with the stuff that we have now. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that would be interesting. It's almost been 20 years, right? So, Or, no, 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 excuse me. It's been 20 years. It's almost been 30 years. Yeah, it's almost been 30. Yeah. I'm like, it's been 20 since this album came out, Prometheus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, Since Euronymous. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Now, we're, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of hypotheticals that could go into that whole world. I don't know, man. It's just like the whole thing of do you think he would be stoked with mayhem or where where mayhem are at now? You know, like I don't know. It's interesting. 
but yeah, anyways, Eruption, man, like it's it's everything I wanted from this band in the first place, pretty much, you know. And then yeah, and he has the killer fucking clean vocals that don't get talked about a lot, you know, like. Oh yeah, dude, it's awesome. For everything this band does get talked about, there's a lot that doesn't as well, and I think that's one of the one of the things. Yeah, and so it sure. kind of set the bar as far as me getting into black metal a little more, you know, against everything else. That's probably, maybe that's why I don't like a lot of other stuff because the bar was already so high. That that's why I asked into... if you like Demu Borgir because that's kind of like my entry point, Emperor, Demu, and Cradle, right? Yeah. All, all and really I good say... production, all really kind of like really slick sound, specifically this, yeah. this Emperor album. So for the longest time, I did not like the true cult fucking sound. I, for the longest time, I I really fucking hated that sound. Mm-hmm. And then I started to kind of come around to it, or at least lower production levels, uh, right around the time I heard Bathory. But like, also, I think a big thing that had to do with that was Sludge. Mm. When I really got into like, I heard I Hate God long before I got into him. When I really got into that sort of sound and that sort of, like, okay, I'll allow myself to listen to something that doesn't necessarily have good production. Right. Right. Once I got past that barrier of, hey, it doesn't have to sound like this for it to be good, all of a sudden it was like, ooh. And then for the longest time I used to say, like, there's only two fucking genres I'll allow shitty production from, and that's sludge and black metal. Mm-hmm. And that was when I got into, like, fucking Mayhem. That was when I got into fucking Burzum. That was when I fucking really started listening to, like, a lot of the early Gorg. Well, just a lot of the true cult stuff. And then there's still some of it I just really can't. It's not necessarily the production. I do like the style of production. It's just, it just, there's some stuff that just sounds too lame. Like, the stuff you, you're playing has to be there also. And then, so there's some of that like early immortal stuff where I'm just like, you know, if they were playing something cooler, I could fucking kind of give up a little bit on the production, but mm-hmm. what they're playing isn't cool enough, you know? So I'll save that for an immortal episode. Anyway, it's time. What is your number one? Mine is also off of Prometheus. So mine's bookended by Prometheus. Nice. Speaking of short titles, mine's gray. Hmm. That opening riff, that riff fucking rules, dude. And again, like there's, you know, I need to listen to this whole album in the headphones. But this song also, especially at the start of it, has like a shitload of like those weird ass keyboards underneath it. Mm -hmm. Like just crazy sounding keyboards. It makes me wonder if it's on every song. Right. It's just more prevalent in some than others. Well, yeah, and I've never, I guess I don't think I've ever really listened to this much. I mean, I have, but I don't think I've listened to the whole album like in headphones. Mm. It's definitely easier to tell in headphones. Like when I'm in my car, you know, the kick drums come out a little bit more. The guitars come out a little bit more uh, with anything. So I think right now, because I'm listening to a lot of the stuff in the headphones, like, but that part went, with the high like that alarm clock type so there's the alarm clock riff but to think that sound but it's not doing it's fucking doing a right yeah so fucking sick and it's just fucking i mean it almost gets like uh 
kind of crowbarish with the the guitar harmonies. It's got that kind of style to it where there's not the the big fat guitar right down the middle and then the harmonies on the outside, right? Mm-hmm. Then they shorten up that fucking first riff with the fucking like with those fucking pinch harmonics, dude. And they're not like super high pinch harmonics. They're kind of lower register pinch harmonics with like the perfect amount of reverb on it. Yeah. that's See, that's another thing I think like, uh, especially like with this this album is sometimes that can make an album hard to listen to if there's too much reverb on it. Because then it, mm-hmm. it loses a lot of its clarity. One thing I still have a hard time with as far as like, I still have a hard time listening to certain things with, with uh, you can't even call them lower production values now because I mean, people do it on purpose now, but it's, it's, there's one thing that I have a hard time with. If it's not super clear, I have a hard time with it. Right. But this album, Emperor in general, I mean, especially this album, but Emperor in general has almost like the perfect amount of reverb, enough reverb to make it, to give it that fucking cold vibe but not so much fucking reverb that it a gets it lacks clarity or b sounds like it's like early 80s guitars. Right. Yeah. And that was one thing that was kind of always cool about Emperor 2 is like even on in the Night Side Eclipse and it, they were always I feel like, again, they had that one foot in True Cult, but the one foot was out of that because it's like, okay, so we're not going to fucking have a full-on, like, bassy sound. But I don't think their guitars sound terrible either. No, yeah, it's it's not that tinny vibe at all. It's tinny, but it's it sounds good tinny. Not Yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not like the way they do it. It's thin. They have that real thin yeah. sound, and it's you know, and as it goes on, it gets a little bit different. But I mean, especially the first album or the first full length mm-hmm. album, because there is that EP. What is what is that? It's Emperor, and then there's Wrath of the Tyrant. Right. Yeah, I knew is it was that... something Tyrant. I wanted to say Circle of Tyrants. No, that's not it. Um, it I'm could have it been one right of those now, things but... where it was like a a non released album or something like that. Oh, yeah, it's, oh, two, so, it's two EPs put together. Yeah, two okay. EPs put together. So these are... It was on, on Wild Rags? Dude. <laughs> I could get into a whole episode just about Wild Rags, but... I've never okay. heard of that before, but I'll oh, say this. Oh, you're better off. I've listened, to this, I've listened to this full thing, too. Pretty mm-hmm. hard. It's like listening to fucking demo stuff. I mean, especially like 80s demos or 70s demos. It's hard to listen to. Yeah. They're demos. They're, I mean, they're not that's supposed that's my to bag, sell. but not for this. <laughs> and that's the only thing that had a... Uh, yeah, that's the only one that had Mortise on it, right? One of them, anyways. I think so, yeah. Yeah, let me just... But yeah, they basically it. put those two together on Spotify, which is, you know, pretty fucking cool. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so the first demo and... They also don't have this reverence thing on there, I don't think. Unless, probably, it doesn't give you a track list on on Wikipedia, so unless it's probably just, like, everything's already on here. Like, yeah. all the stuff from reverence, like... You know, I don't know. Maybe it's, I don't know why they would make it a separate EP, but or just yeah, maybe I'll look it, it up on, on the back YouTube of something someday. else. Right? Yeah, they they might have done something like that because they do have some reissue stuff on here. So, right. But yeah, that was one thing I always liked was they embraced that true cult sound, but they also didn't sound terrible doing it. Mm-hmm. Which bands later on really perfect. I mean, Dark Funeral still does not have like an overall like very bassy sound. 
but they're also not super crappy thin either. Yeah. You, know, you can still have a non-bassy sound and sound really fucking, like, really dial in a sick guitar tone. Yeah. Let's go through the top songs here. I'll bring them up. Mm-hmm. So number 10 is The Loss and Curse of Reverence, which is from Anthems to the Welkin at Dusk. Mm. And number nine would be, oh, wait, hold on. Okay, so this is this is going to be kind of weird because you have Cosmic Keys to My Creations and Times. So there's one that's from the demo, and then there's one that's on the de- deluxe reissue from uh, In the Nightside Eclipse. If you mm-hmm. add both of those together, they're about, welcome to the math cast. Yeah. Over 1.2 million, which would actually probably Not put it, shabby. it would probably put it number four. But then then you have the Burning Shadows of Silence off of In the Nightside Eclipse has 670,000. And then Al Svarder, The Oath, from Anthems to the Welcome to Dusk has 736. Thus Spake the Night Spirit has 816. That's from Anthems to the Welcome to Dusk. Mm-hmm. Then would be like, so now it's showing like Cosmic Keys to My Creations, which is the only one on here that's twice, but probably because, you know, one of the other ones didn't make it. Cause that's, I mean, they put that in, I think that's on both two of the three live albums also. Hmm. Interesting. So it's not as like, not like a close or anything, but something they play all the time. So that's probably why it's been listened to on both albums. Plus, who knows how long the reissue has been on here. But let's say that's 1.2. So you, you, on number four, well, I guess it would be number five would be Into the Infinity of Thoughts off of In the Nightside Eclipse. Then would be Cosmic Keys off In the Nightside Eclipse. Then you would have Inoasatana, which fucking almost made my list, man. Like, it's like, that's another fucking cool song, dude. That one comes in at 1.3. Then Ye and Transimperium, which has 1.4 million. And then far and away, almost 4 million, dude. 3.9 million. I am the Black Wizards. Mm hmm. I, I figured that has to be on some sort of essential black metal playlist oh, or something. Oh, fuck. It's got to be. I mean, it's 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 got to be. It's it's like the fucking perfect, like, actual template for symphonic black metal. Right. And I just found that reverence thing. It's under the singles section. And yeah. it is the, the Loss and Curse of Reverence from Anthems of the Welkin at Dusk. Opus Satana, which I think is the instrumental. I don't even think there's any guitars on that, is there? Good question. No, I, that's I'm just like sure. the, that's just like the symphony thing that they use for like outros and stuff. You should go listen to it. But and then in the long in longing spirit, which I think is on anthems as well. Yeah. So the stuff that's on that reverence uh, thing is actually all off of anthems to the welcome at dusk. So it doesn't really matter. But but yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I am the Black Wizards. I mean, it's like the what it, the quintessential black metal song. I mean. It's something that they've always had on all their fucking live shit. You know, like, it's it's usually towards the end of the play. Like, like the newest live, like, Live Inferno, It's they close out with Inua Satana with Opus Asatana at the end of it. I Am the Black Wizards, Yan Transimperium, and then they close it out with Opus Asatana Live Part 2. And, I mean, that those might be encores. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's a huge song of theirs. doesn't surprise me that it's their top song. Well, that's been our Emperor episode, folks. Let us know what you enjoy. Are you one of these people that enjoys Equilibrium or um, Anthems more than either of the albums we've talked about a lot? Hit us up. Let us know. We're curious. 
As always, we enjoy you being a part of the conversation. Hit us up at Metalist Pod on Met- or on Twitter. Metalist Podcast everywhere else. You'll be talking to Jason there. Hit me up at Yes It Is I David everywhere. Uh, we love hearing from you. Like, rate, review, subscribe, follow. And just hit us up. We like talking to you. Until next time, eat your veggies. Fuck your prayers. God, I couldn't do it again. Yeah, yeah. yeah me neither. Hold on. We're gonna fuck it up your like prayers. There you go. He's he's clutching an invisible orange for I actually did. I actually did. did. I've done. Oh, that's you what could I'm probably see, you could probably see me. Yeah, oh, I, I can see. see. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait, because I have my, I have my screen covered up by my Spotify yep. thing. All right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Anyways, <laughs> talk to you soon, folks. See you then. <laughs> <laughs>